This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Where does creativity fit into compliance? In more places than you think. Problem solving, accountability, communication, and connection. They all take creativity. Join your hosts, Tom Fox and Ronnie Feldman on Creativity and Compliance, part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox and Ronnie Feldman back for another episode. And today uh, you're in for a real treat because we have with us Garen Bergman. He's the founder of Palm Tree Compliance app, i.e. compliance in the palm of your hand. Um, Garen, before we get to uh, a little bit about your uh, product app, I wondered if you could tell us a little bit about your journey into compliance. Absolutely, and thanks for having me on today. So I've been in the compliance industry for about 20 years in varying roles. Uh, first started off doing a lot of investigations and FCPA work uh, all around the world with Ingersoll Rand, then started the compliance program with Dover Corporation as the director of compliance for a 33,000 employee company, and then took on the chief compliance officer role at IDEX Company, or excuse me, IDEX Corporation, uh, based here in Chicago, another global manufacturing company. Left uh, there in 2016 after I couldn't find anybody to build me an app uh, to really put uh, something on my salespeople's uh, devices wherever they were doing their responsibilities and making sales around the world and really exposing us to a lot of risk. So I, I actually meet a fair number of people exactly like yourself who desperately wanted one product or service, couldn't find it, so said, screw it, I'm going to go start a company and do it. So kudos to you for innovating in that way. But uh, I wanted to turn it over for Ronnie. What do you have for Garen today? Well, so uh, full disclosure to the community, I met Garen um, about four years ago when I started my company, and we, we bonded pretty quickly uh, over – what I would say is um, a, a theme around trying to improve access uh, to information for compliance people. Um, I, re- I, if people who have listened to this podcast know that I'm a real big believer in simple, making things simpler and easier for people. I feel like that's the next boundary that this community needs to come over. It's not more complexity; it's simplicity. So when I met Garen, I'm like, oh my god, he's creating a simple way to get. Uh, compliance to people through technology, whereas I'm trying to do it through making the content simpler and easier to digest. So we've known each other for a couple of years, and I, I love his creative approach to um, uh, to solving compliance problems. So, Garen, my, my first question to you is um, maybe just briefly, just so people have an understanding of, of the product that you created, can you just tell us what the product is and what problem it solves? We've created a mobile application that works on smartphones and tablets and basically allows compliance departments to take their materials off the internet, off a PDF, and into the palms of their employees' hands. Wherever they are, they always have access to the compliance program. Honestly, every time you t- talk, I talk to you about this, it sounds like, why doesn't everybody do, do this? Like, um, 
could you just explain like what are some of the advantages of having an app versus um you know just a, i guess a typical uh, code pdf what, what are some of the functionality that you're bringing to the table by having it through an app yeah, so a lot of the things that we do are, are related to just-in-time. When do I need the information and how am I receiving that information? So an app uh, is you know, sitting on a mobile device. The mobile device is always with the person, wherever they are, never leaves their body. And as employees are traveling from country to country or state to state, city to city, uh, they need to be aware of certain regulations, certain compliance uh, policies or actions that need to be taken depending on what they're doing. So the app can actually recognize where the employee is, send them communications that might be relevant to you know something that they're going to start doing or begin uh, that might be related to bringing compliance risk to an uh, to an organization. So uh, easy access to the device, uh, whereas you know opening up a computer trying to access the intranet, finding a policy or a piece of information uh, might be a little harder than just you know, opening up your, your phone and tapping on the app and there you go. Let me ask you really to draw on your CCO experience and understand why that sort of continuous communication, if not it is so important, how can that be so much more powerful than me having to pick up the phone and call you in the corporate headquarters to get an answer to a simple question or for raise my hand and speak up? Well, I think one of the things that makes successful compliance programs successful is the constant communication and marketing that goes on. And so through the app, you can send push notifications, you can update, you can even chat with people uh, if you want. And as we look at the activities of millennials who are uh, spending upwards of three, four, five hours a day on mobile devices, this is where they want to consume their information. This is how they want to communicate. And so having that app available in an uh, environment where these employees are already used to and, and really using for work uh, already just really helps uh, support the compliance program and taking it to the next level. How do you overcome what I call the old white guy trap, which is, or maybe just old guy trap, which is along the lines of the following. A good friend of mine's a CCO, uh, here in Houston and was extraordinarily pleased. He got funding and he rolled out an app. I'm very proud of it. And the feedback from the employee base looked like a bunch of old guys designed it. How do you help bring that sort of dynamicism of the millennial workforce that you described to your product? You know, apps these days could be designed by anybody. Uh, I've talked to companies that have an IT uh, pro uh, department that say they can build an app. But successful apps really uh, thrive with the way that they're designed. So having designers that know where your hands are on the device, uh, how to easily access information, where to put that from an eye perspective and a visual perspective, that's what we bring to the table. And it's really ready to go and, and uh, you know, available off the shelf within a matter of 30 to 45 days versus really trying to build something that you think might work and think looks beautiful, but really hasn't ever been tested or designed or designed by people who have been doing it for years. Well, and if I may, Garen, uh, you and I have chatted about this before. Uh, the content that I'm creating with Learnings and Entertainments is all about uh, social media style, short, quick ways to reference things and to do that in a playful, positive way. So um, I, I think like our kinds of approaches tend to work hand in hand where you're providing simple functionality 
uh, and then we're providing uh, short, fun, quick reminders that either make it more visually appealing within the app or, as you say, uh, push notifications and uh, uh, ways to reach people with like little quick increments. I think these things kind of work hand in hand. And again, it doesn't have to be through like our company. Any any company that if you anybody who uses social media knows that a GIF, a meme, a clever design, those things are eye catching. Absolutely. Um, I wanted to ask you, Gary. Yeah, sorry. I jumped. I, I jumped in, and then I jumped in again. Um, I wanted to ask you. Uh, you had. I remember you having some statistics about um, people using. Uh, they respond to a, uh, something on an app more than they would, or quicker than they would through a text or an email or something like that. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So uh, some of the statistics that we've seen in the workplace and just in app uh, use in general, uh, you know, people seem to be opening up emails around 50% to 60% in the workplace. So they might be important emails. They may not be. You never know if it's getting opened or not. When you look at the push notifications and the statistics around that, uh, approximately 65% of app users, if they receive a push notification, then go back into the app. So you're generating that interest. You want them to come into and look at what you're trying to communicate to them. So they're more than likely actually going to go into it. And when we look at text messaging itself, 98% of text messages are responded to, and 99% of those are responded to within a matter of three minutes. So we get to this situation where people are looking for information. They want feedback. They want an, they have a question. They want an answer immediately. And these are the types of, of uh, things that an app can bring to the table. Garen, if I could jump in and pick up on a couple of points that you hit on. So my professional background is as an attorney, I tend to think about the um, – 10 hallmarks of an effective compliance program and how you can tie your product or service to something that the Department of Justice has specifically said. And you said a couple of things that struck me. One was the proactive versus reactive approach, uh, specifically around logistics recognition and reminders or push notifications that go out. One of the things the DOJ continually tells us, or at least uh, has recently in the last year or so has emphasized is effectiveness. And it seems like to me you're discussing a defect- an effective delivery mechanism of a message. The second thing is analytics. And I'm a big believer in documenting everything. And if you don't have analytics, you can't begin to document. And it sounds like you're able to build or tie both to both of those requirements under the 10 hallmarks of an effective compliance program. Absolutely. So uh, take geolocation and, and geofencing. I'm sorry to get into some of the tech details here, but uh, you know the mobile device can recognize exactly where it is on this earth. And depending on how you want to set up the app, you can actually send a push notification within a few feet of a supplier's address or a customer's address. Or if, it, uh, if the mobile device is uh, connecting to a cell tower uh, once the individual lands in a certain country, you can start pushing them relevant information right then and there. And to me, having that information at the time they need it is so key to an effective compliance program versus here's a quarterly compliance training course or here's an email that may or may not get read. It even you know, may not be at the time the person needs it. So I think that's uh, really effective. And from an analytics perspective, you can track anything and everything that you want. How many, time, how many minutes they spend uh, on a certain screen, 
which policy or regulation uh, inside of the app is visited the most frequent, um, and start building communication, training, and awareness programs around the analytics that you're seeing so that you can get the most relevant information to the people that are looking for that uh, immediately. So can you... Um you know, push training out through uh, through the app. Uh, you know, because most companies most companies have an LMS or they have a vendor as an LMS, and they're usually pretty terrible. <laughs> um, so, uh, is this a, a way, perhaps, to to not just access code and policies, but to access training? Uh, absolutely. So you could uh, tie into your LMS. You could tr- tie into any other of the uh, you know big three learning providers out there. Uh, and their LMSs, um, you know, you can upload videos to the app. You can have them uh, stored pretty much anywhere and accessible by anybody. Am I one of the big three learning providers? Is that so? Did you absolutely? Yeah, there we go. That's what I wanted to hear. Absolutely. <laughs> um, one other thing I wanted to ask you about functionality, because um, um, I remember in a passing conversation you'd said something about how this makes gift approval easier and. Um, I, I, this is something that's a little bit beyond the kind of work I do, but maybe you could say a little bit about that. Yeah, so with Palm Tree, uh, we have a gift registry uh, module, which allows individuals to submit uh, gifts to be reviewed and approved by their supervisor or whomever that might be. Um, the individual receiving the request will actually receive a push notification notifying them that a request has been made. They go into the app, can see up to two years' worth of history, make a great informed decision as to whether or not they should allow the uh, gift to be given, and then approve it right in the app. And then the individual will receive a push notification and email uh, on the back end. So everything's done through the app. All recording is done on the back end, so you can provide uh, reports and, and analytics on the types of gifts that have been given over the past uh, two years. Yeah, I do, I, this may be obvious to people, but a, a push notification is when like the little number pops up on the app and then you're like, oh, I have a message, right? That's essentially how, yeah, okay. Yep, yep. so yeah, you get a drop-down screen at the top that says, hey, come back to my app or you know, whatever the app is trying to tell you. It gives you a, a message to basically do something or notify you of something. I want to hear like what are some of the concerns or objections that you you get um, because it, it seems to me that um, from some of our discussions some of them are, are kind of uh, unfounded uh, so let's talk about like why more people aren't using this because we, we all seem to think I think everybody that we meet at these conferences say this is a great idea but adoption continues to be slow throughout the industry. So let's maybe talk about some of the, the things that you hear and then th- that you have answers for, and let's, let's kind of get underneath it. So maybe you could throw one out to start, and then we'll, we'll add on. Yeah, I think the, the biggest challenge is really the adoption of new technology, um, understanding how things work, why it works that way, um, and then customizing it to a certain program and the way their processes work. Um, so I think that's kind of the big hurdle that we typically see is just I'm a little hesitant because I just don't, don't understand the technology. So what you're saying is compliance people in, in broad strokes suffer from uh, what, did, what did you call it? Old man syndrome? I don't know if I like that. Um, you, you know, what they suffer from is I'm not a technology person and this is intimidating to me. I think that is probably the key right there is uh, just intimidation, hesitation, I, just the unknown. Uh, you know, compliance people really like to understand things and, you know, to be able to understand things, uh, they make policies and procedures around those types of things. 
You know, it's actually a little deeper than that. And that is that compliance people, for the most part, have been lawyers. And lawyers are not trained in technology. Uh, we're trained, as you said, uh, to write things down, policies and procedures and the written word. And uh, one, it's a, it's the technophobe problem. But two, it's, it's, it requires the compliance officer, it requires the lawyer to think differently, not so much visually, but thinking in a way different than the static policies and procedures and delivery of training that we've been trained upon and that we've been using. But I, I really see this uh, as incredibly innovative um, and the way that you are able to not only deliver a proactive message and a proactive communication, but also track who's listening, who's opening, how long are they on there, uh, where they are when they are looking at it. And you can actually use that information uh, to loop that back in on an ongoing basis to further refine your um, delivery system and delivery mechanism. Would that be a fair assessment? I, I think so. I mean, uh, you know, there's just so many things you can do with an app these days, and the mobile devices have come a long ways. Um, you know, one of the reasons I built this, uh, I, I come from a manufacturing background with a huge offline population. It was a challenge to get them to sign or agree to the code uh, every year. So now I can roll out training to the offline population, which is now my entire population, which uh, has always been a challenge for companies in the retail environment, manufacturing environment, or those be, you know those companies that just don't have connected employees all the time. And what about um, you know? I, I, this is a question that uh, when I've brought you up to some of my clients, um, I, I get the question about like a lot of people bring your own device versus a, a company. So, uh, what are some of the I guess issues around that? When can we can you ask? Can a company ask people to put this app on a device that, that's a personal device from their employee, their employees we got themselves? Well, you could always ask them whether or not they actually do it might be a different story. Um, but typically, I think uh, employees are more than likely using their uh, own device for work anyways. And, um, you know, for them to be able to put this on their device is really just gives them uh, easy access to things that they need anyway. Um, now, to force them to use it uh, on their own personal device that is, a, is a legal issue that uh, I think a lot of companies may want to look into. Uh, but there is solutions to be able to at least push the app right to their phone without seeing anything, any other personal information on their device. Well, well oh, that's an important point because I'm sure privacy issues come up um, as well. Uh, there, so this is a way to kind of firewall it, uh, the, and protect privacy as well. Yes, Absolutely. And how would how long would it take, sort of, uh, for you or to deliver this type of solution to a customer? If you starting with sitting down, explaining it to them, understanding what they want, designing it, and delivery, what's that sort of turnaround look like from your perspective? Yeah. So, if a client of ours doesn't want a lot of customization in terms of new functionality or the way the actual app looks, uh, we typically can turn them around and have them go in within forty five to sixty days. If there's other things involved, uh, uh, you know, uh, new functionality being added, maybe they want single sign-on, maybe they want uh, some more advanced uh, functionality, it could take a little bit longer, and we talk about that up front so that they are very aware of how long this project might take. I look at this, uh, we just when I broad brush it, you know, people po- companies will post their code, they'll 
they'll push out, you know, usually boring training, uh, and they're going through the normal channels. Whether or not you can get everyone to use the app or uh, require them to use the app, I think is irrelevant. It, it provides an easier way for more people to get this information than they had before, <laughs> is the way I look at it. It's, it gets back down to – I keep coming back to the idea that I think the next milestone that ethics compliance uh, programs need to get past is not um, – it's not more complex functionality. I would even argue, you know, I, I look, Tom and I, you and I argue about analytics and their importance and all that stuff. I think it's about making it as easy as possible to get information, to ask questions, and to report problems. Um, and I think this is a great way to do it. So let me pick up exactly on that point because, Garen, what I'm hearing is not only what Ronnie just articulated, which is the ease of consuming the information. But what I also hear from you is being able to track that ease, being able to track whether that person hit that push notification button, where they were when they did it, and then you as the compliance officer sitting back in the corporate office having a database that gives you yet another set of information uh, for what the Department of Justice requires in terms of uh, ongoing improvement of your compliance program because you have a wealth of data about how, if, one, if, and two, how people are consuming the information. So it just seems to me to be incredibly innovative. Oh, yes. I mean, uh, you know, the DOJ wants to see what you're doing and see the changes that you've made over time. Well, the analytics that uh, an app can provide really can be a roadmap for your entire program or at least a significant population of your program, depending on how you want to use it. And that, well, the last thing I'll, I'll uh, tee you up for, uh, Garen, is I know that you know, you go to these conferences and, and some of the really large companies have created their own app and they've spent an incredibly large amount of money doing it. Um, so I think another hurdle that people are maybe intimidated by is they think it's going to be this incredibly expensive process, whereas I think you've maybe done some of that heavy lifting. Um, so uh, I, I don't even know what my question is. I guess my question is, like, cost isn't so much of a hurdle as it as – it, um, some people might believe it to be. Yeah. So we've had uh, companies come to us and say, you know, we don't have six figures to buy an app, but we want to roll out an app. Well, you know, what we've been able to do in, in the way that we've set our uh, product up, Palm Tree, um, you know, we can get people started for basically the price of a business class ticket to Asia. It is fairly cheap. It is very efficient. Um, you know, again, it really just depends on everything that you want to do. But, yeah, you can spend a million dollars on something or you can spend, you know, a reasonable amount on something that actually works and does a good job. Garen, this, uh, I have to say, this has really been an eye-opening uh, podcast for me. Um, I really had not thought about the, the delivery mechanism as providing so many different components to a best practices compliance program from the accessibility of the user experience to the information provided back to the compliance officer and the compliance function, I really see a either a, a full circle, full loop of uh, information or almost a, a straight line from when the compliance officer inputs the information into the app being used, consumed, back to the compliance officer for uh, refreshment review and revitalization going forward. So, um, kudos is all I have to say. No, thanks. It's been a long process, but, uh, you know, I knew what I wanted as a, you know, 
purchaser of this thing. I was waiting for somebody to build it. They never did. So I said, hey, I'm going to go build what I wanted for my program. That's so great. Well, I'm a big fan um, um, and I, uh, of, of, of this approach in general, and I appreciate uh, you having a compliance officer's perspective in how you've built it. Uh, do you want to throw a, a plug in for how people can find out more about your, um, your company? Yeah, absolutely. So go visit us at getpalmtree.com, one word, and uh, we'll be happy to have any uh, question, answer any questions and uh, talk to people about how it works, uh, how it gets set up, and how we can deliver it in about 45 days. Awesome. Garrett, thanks so much, and I look forward to continuing the conversation. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Creativity and Compliance. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure to subscribe and leave a review. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.